lean even further into Jesus. Lean even further into his love. Lean further into humility. Lean further into a life of praise. Lean into life in Jesus' name. Lean into the word. He has been there in the beginning. He is the one who was made flesh to come to live for you, to die for you, and to rise again. Lean into him and rest. The sermon that you're about to hear is from Pastor Paul Borman at Hope Lutheran Church, located in Tigard, Oregon. For more information and for more content, go to hopeintiger.com. Lord Jesus, today, as we dive into your word, I ask that you bless this church. I ask that you bless all who are hearing your word today. I ask that you bless me in the words that I speak today. I ask that you fill us up with your spirit as we contemplate your word. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your hope. Fill us with your peace, Lord. Bless your church. Amen. Well, it's not the day that we thought it was going to be. (laughs) But today is a big day for Hope Lutheran Church. What we're doing today in our worship today and in our sermon today, we'll be wrapping up the Christmas season and putting a little bit of a bow on it. We're going to be looking ahead into the new year and some new things that are going to be happening for us. And and we're also going to be starting a major sermon series on the book of John, going chapter by chapter through the whole thing. It's a big day here at Hope, and we've got an even bigger text. We're starting at the beginning of John, with John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. I'll ask you to revel in these words with me. John writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father filled with grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, I've never been much of a history buff, but there's one little bit of church history that always grabbed me. (laughs) It's the story of the original St. Nick. You can take this story with a grain of salt. This definitely isn't inspired history. He lived in the 300s AD, um, and it's true that Bishop Nicholas was really well known for being generous, especially generous to children. But I want to give you a little insight into what St. Nick really did. So take a little bit of a look at this picture here. What do you think he's doing? He's punching him. (laughs) 
He's punching him in the face. Like the, the church fathers actually wrote it that St. Nick did stand up and gave him a severe boxing around his ears. This is from the Council of Nicaea back in 325 AD, that this incredibly charitable man, St. Nick, got so upset that a guy by the name of Arius was saying about Jesus that there was a time when Jesus was not, that Jesus isn't God. And St. Nick got so upset that instead of giving Christmas gifts at Christmas time, he decked the halls in a little bit different way. And this was a big deal because Christianity was on the edge a little bit. It was about to lose the Christ out of Christianity. And so St. Nick stood up and he defended Christ. And you know what? It was very soon after this council happened that Christians across the world started celebrating Christmas as we know it once a year to celebrate what St. Nick defended, that Jesus is God, that he wasn't just a man, he wasn't just a teacher, he wasn't just a miracle worker, or even just a heavenly ambassador. Jesus is God. He is God who gave up his glory and set aside his power for the time being to live and to die for you. I mean, that's Christmas, right? And that's Christianity tied up in a bow right there. Jesus, who is God, sacrificed himself to save people from their sins. That's Christianity. And that's what we get in this text from John today. Have you ever noticed this about the book of John, that, that it actually has a prologue? I mean, if you'd like to, you can do this at home on your computers here. Even while we're, while we're virtual, you can pull up John chapter 1, and you can see that it's completely different from the other Gospels in the way that it starts. It doesn't start out with a narrative at all. The other three Gospels begin with a clear focus on the birth of Jesus and how it happened. But John doesn't even really mention the birth story. He goes straight to the meat. He goes straight to a word that I'm going to be using a lot throughout this whole series. That word is theology. The study of God, who he is, what he does. John's Gospel is absolutely filled with theology. And this first sentence of the book is really a summation of all of it. John says there, John 1, chap chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, do those first three words remind you of the way that another book of the Bible began? The book of Genesis began the same exact way. Genesis 1.1 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning was the word, is how John starts. This is your first bit of theology for the day. I've got two of them for you. This is the first one. This is what in the beginning means. When Moses, the writer of Genesis, referred to the beginning, and when John, the writer of this gospel, referred to the beginning, they weren't referring to a specific moment of time, and they weren't referring to the moment the world was created. The writers were referring to the time of history in which God was, before the world. 
what John is pointing to is he's pointing to the concept, the teaching of eternity, a concept that has absolutely blown my mind to think that there is no beginning marker for God. There has never been a moment, whether inside or outside of time, as we know it, in which God was not. In the beginning, the word was. And what's the significance of that, right? John says that the word, Jesus, was there in eternity. Jesus was there. He didn't come around later. He didn't come around for a specific purpose. He was there already caring about you, protecting you, already willing to give his life for you before the world had ever come into being. In the beginning was the word. Eternal, unchangeable, faithful, true. Now, here's your second bit of theology here for today. This one's going to be a little bit weightier. Are you ready for it? (laughs) We're going to talk about what it means that John calls Jesus the word. The Greek word that John used here is significant. It's the word logos. It can mean a lot of different things. It can mean word or reason or statement or a number of different things. And and this word carries significant nuance. It's got a lot of baggage on it. And so as we think about this, as we think about the gospel of John, as we think about so many things here, we think about this. Why use this word to name Jesus? See, John is doing something so unique here. There aren't other places really in the Bible where Jesus is called the word. So how do we figure this out? Oftentimes in the Bible, when a situation like this comes up, where you're trying to understand the significance of why an author chose a particular word, what you do is you look at context. You look back into history or you look back into culture and you get a really clear insight into why the writer chose a certain word. Or maybe there will be some kind of significance that the writer meant for us to pick up on, or the writer will give us clues from later on in his writing to understand. But here, it's not that clear. We don't have those clues that you normally look for. There are all kinds of explanations that Bible commentators will have, by the way. They've thought this through. I've, I've read about five commentators preparing for this sermon series, and, and they all have different theories as to why John chose the word logos to name Jesus. They talk about how significant the word was to Old Testament Israelites, and they talk about instances in the Bible where prophets spoke when the word of the Lord came to them. And they talk about how around the time of Jesus, Greek philosophers were logicking, lugasing their way through philosophy and understanding, but, but, but none of them are particularly moving arguments. Each one of them has as many arguments against as it does for And so again, I ask you, and and I I ask you to truly consider this, why do you think John would use this word in one of the most seminal chapters in the Bible? 
And in one of the most theologically rich chapters in all of scripture, the best chapter, one of the best chapters we have for describing Jesus, why do you think John would use a word that is, that is nebulous and, and even vague? You see, John did something theologically genius here. He gave his readers a word that they could grab onto and wrestle with. And he gave them a word that they could, that could itself continue to take on meaning as the readers learn more and more about Jesus. With this one little word, John is setting the stage of the rest of this book. He's saying with one little word, Jesus is so simple that I can describe him with the word, word. He's so simple in his beauty that you can sum it up like that. And yet, at the same time, he is so beautifully profound in his love that I could fill the word world with all kinds of words, and I will never be able to communicate how much he loves you. You know, he actually says that at the end of his book. He said that if I tried to write down everything about Jesus, I could fill the entire world, world with books, and I would still never be able to communicate what Jesus is for me. With this word, John is telling us about the purpose of his book. John did not write his book primarily to give us the perfect timeline of Jesus' life. And he didn't write primarily so that we could know all of the facts of what happened. He wrote often in this kind of simple, beautiful, profound style. Why? So that we could know God better and better. And so that we can know the love and the grace that he lavishes on us through his son, Jesus. You see, I'm pushing into this today so that we can set the stage for what's coming in this sermon series on the book of John. Each week as a church, we're going to be taking out about a chapter of this book. You'll come in on a Sunday morning and you'll hear a sermon on a small section of the chapter. And then I'll be sending you home and giving you the rest of the chapter to read and dive into throughout the rest of the week. You can do that using the SOAP method, which I'll be talking about a little bit after worship today. And you can do it with a small group, which we're going to be starting in February. Dive into God's word. From beginning to end, we are going to be seeing Jesus' life, his ministry, his teachings, his death, his resurrection. We're going to be seeing all of it. And why are we going to do this? Why is this going to be the emphasis of our church? John tells us at the end of this book, I've already mentioned it here. Why are we going to be emphasizing studying the words that are written about Jesus so intently? John says this in chapter 20, verse 31. You can also look that up if you'd like to. John says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing, you may have life in his name. These words are written that you may believe that Jesus is truly God. 
that you may do more than just acknowledge in your heart that he was real and that he acted for you, that you may believe, that you may trust, that you may rest in the fact that God came to earth for you. And that by believing, by trusting, by resting in him, you may have life. And you know I'm not just talking about biological life. You know I'm talking about the kind of life that John both begins his book with and ends his book with. The life that Jesus, the word, guaranteed for us. The perfect, eternal life that is yours through Christ. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. I'm going to bring this to you today. There is such absolute power in this for your life today. Jesus is the word. Jesus is God. And because he is God, there is light for your life. The kind of light that John says that the darkness has not overcome. I want to get real about darkness with you here. There are dark corners in your heart. Mine too. The kinds of dark corners where we are hiding the skeletons of our past, the things that we don't want anyone to know about, the kind of darkness that's constantly forcing its way into our perspectives and our lives, the kind of darkness that poisons the way that we live every day, the kind of darkness that whispers to us that everything is not okay. And that you're not enough and the world is headed down a bad path. As Christians, this is our fight. It's a fight against darkness and it's a fight that you need to know you're going to win. Because Jesus is the word and the word is God. And in God, there is light for your life. I mean, imagine for a second, picture this in your mind. Imagine you have the world's most brilliant flashlight. And you shine it into a dark corner. Answer me this. Does the darkness put up a fight against that light? Is there a battle that goes on that you have to see who's going to win? No. (laughs) Jesus is a light like that. Where there is light, there is no darkness. Jesus is that kind of light, the kind of light that no form of darkness has ever overcome. The kind of light that forgives sin, that kind of darkness, the kind of sin, the kind of light that heals every trauma. The kind of light that gives hope to every kind of brokenness and that brings joy to every grief in Christ. This is what we have. Light that brings life, heavenly life. Because in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. 
And that life was the light of all mankind. The light, it shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, people of hope. With these words ringing in your ears, I want to end with this sermon with a request from me to you. It's actually several requests leading down to one. My first request is this. Please lean into this sermon series with me. It's going to be something that maybe you've never experienced before. I'll ask you to lean into these next 20 weeks as we go chapter by chapter through John, shining the light of Jesus into the dark places of our heart, perceiving healing, receiving forgiveness, growing in our faith. Why do I want you to lean into this series? Not because of my preaching, but because of my second request, which is this, lean into growing personally in your faith. You know, it's a great time of year to start a new habit. And through the structure of the series, this church is going to be introducing some new things. Uh, we're going to be giving you some tools, some instructions, some support and encouragement so that you can get into your Bibles. Whether you've been struggling to do that on your own, like, like I have for most of my life, or, or whether, um, whether by this we can bolster the good habits that you already have. Lean into the series so that you can lean into growing in your faith day by day. And why? Why should you lean into growing in your faith every day? It's my third and final request, like John said, that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Lean even further into Jesus. Lean even further into his love. Lean further into humility. Lean further into a life of praise. Lean into life in Jesus' name. Lean into the word. He has been there in the beginning. He is the one who was made flesh to come to live for you, to die for you, and to rise again, lean into him and rest. Amen.